Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Over a year since I've preached, so uh, I'm just gonna we're just gonna pray this morning that God would have mercy on all of us, that He would anoint me to speak to you guys. Uh, things that are beautiful or radical and will ultimately result in his glory if we follow those things. So, but let's just pray that God would have grace on us this morning before we get started. So Lord, we, we thank you this morning that, that we get to come to this place and just talk about you and what you did through other people's lives. And so God, we pray that we would understand that those things were recorded for us for a reason, that we were meant to look at those stories and see them as an example, Lord, that you call us to do radical things through your Spirit. So we ask that you would help me to preach clearly this morning, and that people would be edified and changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So many of you guys know I've been gone for a long time. I was in the Middle East for about six months. Uh, I spent some time in Kuwait, and uh, it gets up to like 130 there, which that doesn't make sense to my brain. Like, what is, what's 130 once you get past 110? And uh, man, I, really, I was really hoping that when I went on that trip, I was going to have like some gnarly war stories to share with you guys this morning, kind of like what Dave Webb had. You know, like war stories that turned in these beautiful spiritual analogies. But uh, not only did they stick me in an office somewhere, like deep into the corner of the base at midnight shift, they also didn't give me a weapon. And I'm walking around this base, and everyone's strapped. Like, everyone's got a weapon. I'm like, where's my weapon? Like, what, what if someone invades this base? And uh, the one thing that I, I was reminded of, that even though I don't have a, a gnarly story to share with you guys this morning, is that God speaks to his people. Like, no matter where you're at in your life, if you're on the other side of the world, or if you're in a neighbor's yard, like, God wants to speak to his people, and we can actually hear him if we will only listen. And I was reminded of that over and over in my time in Kuwait, which is really an amazing thing when you, when you step back to think about this God that wants to speak into our lives, because this is the God that made every cell in your body. There's like 27, 37 trillion cells in your body. He flung all the galaxies into existence. That's like 100 billion galaxies. And he's holding it all together as we're just sitting here in this room, flying through space. And that's the same God that wants to speak into our lives, which is even more amazing for me because I feel like I'm going to be legally deaf by the time I'm 35. Like if you spend any time in my house, you would think that you're in a retirement center or something like that because the amount of times I say, what, huh? And my wife gets so frustrated. But this is a spiritual truth. Maybe God speaks to you in an audible voice, but today we're talking about spiritual things. And, and I realize that most of us know that God wants to lead us. Like who doesn't know that? I was hoping for one hand. Okay, no hands. So we know that God wants to lead us, but the question is, are we allowing God to lead us? Because those are two totally different things, understanding that God wants to lead us and allowing God to lead us. And so today we're going to be in Acts chapter 21, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 14. You guys can go ahead and turn there now, and we're going to get there eventually. But in a very real sense... We, as Christians, should expect to hear from God through the Holy Spirit. It should be one of the great comforts of our salvation. 
that that God actually speaks to us, whether it comes through a time of prayer or reading the scripture or what I really want to talk about today with you guys, which is always exciting, when God, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to make specific actions in your life. When God says, hey, I've seen that you've been in the scripture. I see that you have a robust robust prayer life. I want to lead you and guide you in specific ways. And, And I feel like I don't have to say this, but I need to say it. The Spirit's only going to speak to us if we're in prayer, right? Or if we're in the scripture. Like those are like prereqs for God speaking into our lives. God's never never going to speak something into our lives that, that would be totally contrary to what he has revealed in the scripture, right? Like some of the, the scariest moments is when God told me to, and then it's like totally contrary to what God said in his word. Like, God told me to do this thing, and, and you're reading the scripture, like, that, is, that doesn't make sense. So when God leads us, it's always going to be birthed out of a steady diet of the scripture and prayer. And so that should go without, without saying, but but just like any earthly relationship, right, that, that you want to flourish, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come at a cost of actually digging in and, and spending time with that person, right? Does that make sense? That makes sense, everybody, right? Just like if, if I, was, um, I was chasing Lauren around the North Shore before we got married, and, and if I would have asked her to marry me on like the third day I met her, that would have been like the most awkward conversation. Or if I wanted to have those deep spiritual talks, she's like, man, can you, can you get to know me first? And I believe that God calls us to know him so that he can begin to reveal his heart to us. And so much of what we're going to be talking about today will be birthed out of those who are digging into the scriptures and having a robust prayer life so that God can speak to what he's saying to us. And, and so we should ask ourselves the question this morning so that we can begin to think about this critically. Am I or are you being led by the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you being led by the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are there defining moments in your life where the Holy Spirit spoke to you in the last week or the last month or the last year? Because I am convinced that the Holy Spirit is often more willing to speak to us than we're willing to listen. That God is waiting on high to speak to his people, but we're not often willing to listen. And I think there's there's one big reason for this. One of the biggest reasons for this, this neglect to listen to the Holy Spirit is because we're afraid of what God's going to tell us. Like God's going to lead us to do hard and scary things that don't make sense to anybody except for you and God, and maybe not even you until later down the road. And that makes us feel uncomfortable. And what we tend to do is just kind of keep God at a safe distance, right? Just keep God in a safe distance, keep him in this box where we can contain him, we do our devotionals, but God, don't you dare speak something uncomfortable to my life. But when we read the scripture, we see adventure after adventure after adventure of people going with God that always starts as a still, small voice that says, hey, I'm calling you into this thing. Abraham, leave your land. Moses, go to the desert. Forsake all that junk. And then they have a moment right there to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. It's, it's a real weighty thing where the Spirit of God speaks to you and then we have the capacity to say no or yes, right? And this is so important because Paul put it this way in Romans eight fourteen. He said, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Jesus said it this way, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And all that to say that there should be this direct connection between the Christian and God through 
the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because if there's not that voice, there's something wrong, right? If we believe that we have a God who wants to speak to us, and, and something we say here often that God's interested in every detail of your lives, like we should expect him to speak into every detail of our lives. So if we're not hearing that voice, that there could be a problem. And Samuel Chadwick, this, this minister from the 1800s, put it this way. He said this. He said, The Christian religion begins in the new birth in the power of the Spirit. It's developed under His guidance and sustained by His presence. And notice this. But ignoring the Spirit, it becomes a matter of education and evolution. That is to say that a devotional life with God should result in God speaking to us. Otherwise, this is an educational experience. We learn more about God, but, but we don't allow Him to speak into our lives. So the question becomes, as we're doing devotional time, as we're seeking the Lord, are we listening? Are we listening to what the Spirit might say? Or do we tune Him out when He asks us to do that hard thing? Because I know that some of the most defining moments in the Christian life will be when God asks us to do those hard things. That's what most testimonies are made of, right? When God said, hey, go do that thing, and then you, you, know, you point back to it for like the next 10 years, like God said to do that thing, and I did, and he was faithful. So some of the most defining moments are, are, are when God asks us to do hard things, and, and there's obviously grace in this, right? I realize that we're not always going to get hearing from the Spirit right. Like, we're imperfect people. Like, and is anyone here batting a thousand on listening to the Holy Spirit? Any hands this time? Last service, there was a hand. And because we know that we're busted people, you know? Like, there's, there's grace in these particular situations. And so there's going to be a couple t- things that come with hearing from the Spirit. And we're going to see that in our text today. But the first thing is we don't always get it right. We don't always get it right. And the second thing is we don't always like what we hear. We don't always get it right because we actually hear what God has told us to do. It was like clear as day. But then the timing's off. We go ahead of God. Or we go about something completely the wrong way. We think about Abraham with the whole Ishmael deal, where God gave him a promise, and he took it into his own hands. He heard from God, but he went around about it totally the wrong way. And sometimes we just don't like what we hear, because God's calling us to do a scary thing. Or, or maybe this morning he's calling you away from something that's familiar to you, but is damaging and destroying your life. And he's been saying for a long time, I'm asking you to leave that particular thing. We don't like what we hear. So I want to show you this from our text today, how Paul faced this same situation where he was the, with a group of believers and God told them to do something and they're like actually saying, that doesn't make sense. You can't do that. Come back with us. So let's look at this actually in Acts chapter 20 and ver- 21, verses 10 through 14. And at this point, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he stopped at Caesarea to encourage a local group of believers. And the scripture says, verse 10, As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In the same way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we, as well as the local residents, began tripping, no, begging, sorry, him not to go to Jerusalem. Verse 13, then Paul answered, look what he says, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I'm not only ready to be bound, but even die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, the will of the Lord be done. And man, as I was reading the story this week over and over and over, it sounded extremely familiar to me. Like, it's like I just heard this story played out in real life. And I don't know how many of you were here a couple weeks ago when Zach was here. Was anybody here when Zach was here? Anybody at all? So not a lot of you. So Zach was here, who is a missionary that we support in Tonga. And he felt this call that God was calling him to go to a, a different place that we're not going to talk about on the podcast. That's actually hostile to the message of Jesus. But what was really interesting about that whole thing is, is when Zach was here, he was going around to local churches and, and showing how God was leading him into this new mission field that was going to be dangerous. Him and his family, he's got a couple of kids. And what was interesting is that he said that local believers in those particular churches were actually telling him not to go. They were saying, like, you have a beautiful family. Why would you take your family to a place like that? That doesn't make sense. That's stupid. We're not on board. And some people just thought it would be a terrible idea, and so they tried to persuade him away from that. And they're probably well-meaning people, right? Like, they're concerned about his happiness and, and his well-being, and, and they can see that he's going to this particular place. This is not going to probably work out well. And because of their, I don't know, maybe shallow understanding of who God is and how he's revealed himself in Scripture, they didn't rightly sense what the Spirit was calling him to. Like everyone could get the obvious sense that this was going to be dangerous and difficult and not comfortable. And so they attributed that feeling that they were getting to something that wasn't of God. But however, it was clearly from God that he was supposed to go there. And I think that one of the coolest things about that whole thing was on a Wednesday night, the, the Wednesday before Sunday, he, he came and shared with us in an intimate setting, just, you know, a few group, a group, a group of people. And you could just like, you could feel in the atmosphere that this was not an easy choice. Like he was there with his wife and their kids weren't here. And he was just showing how the spirit was speaking to him. And like, they were like on the verge of tears the whole time because it's not going to be easy. And you could just feel this atmosphere of just like this incredible, difficult situation. But what was also really cool and what made that atmosphere so unique that night is there was this incredible peace that was there too. That there was this incredible discomfort and incredible peace just like coexisting because he knew what God had called him to do. And the thing is, church, he was willing to listen. He said, despite the uncomfort, despite what you guys are saying, I know this is where God's leading me in my family. And I believe that church, this is where God often calls us as Christians, like these little pockets of uncomfortable situations, right? Whether it's on the other side of the world or on your neighbor's grass, where he's saying, I want you to go to that person and have that conversation. And so we come back to the text now. Let's, let's, let's look at this. So, so just imagine yourself this morning in Paul's shoes, right? You're at a prayer meeting, you're on the cusp of going to Jerusalem, and this guy Agabus is like bust down the door. Like, I, I just get a vibe that this guy was really strange and weird, like Agabus, right? Like, what kind of name is that? And then, so Agabus busts down the door, and then he comes in there and takes your belt and ties up his own hands and feet. Like, I don't even know how you do that. Like, how do you tie up your own hands and feet? And he does all of this to give you an object lesson of what your life is going to be if you follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's heavy. And not only that, but notice in verse 12, it says, we 
as well as the local residents begin begging Paul not to go. So not only are the Christians, the local Christians saying don't go, but the guys in your closest crew are saying don't go. And mind you, these are godly people. Luke and Timothy and Silas, like they probably have some really good advice. And they're saying we, as well as the local believers, begin begging him, like don't go. And to make the decision even more difficult, this, this thing that Paul is sensing from other believers was nothing new. Actually, earlier in this chapter, in verse 4, he was with another group of Christians. And these guys were in the city of Tyre. Now, this one's really interesting. In verse 4, it should come on the screen. It said, And having sought out the disciples, this is a different city, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go through Jerusalem. So that's interesting, huh? So they're saying through the Spirit, warning Paul not to go. They were all getting the same impression is that me? <laughs> Is that the Spirit speaking to me? Like, stop, just stop, just stop. They were getting the same impression from the Spirit that this guy should stop preaching. No, that this guy should not go to Jerusalem because they were seeing the road that was ahead that was going to be difficult and dangerous, and they were all arriving at different conclusions of what the Spirit was saying. So one guy is seeing God's glory as the chief end, Right? And then everybody else is seeing comfort and safety as the obvious answer. And we don't know how this looked, like seeing through the Spirit. We don't know what that looked like. Maybe God gave them a vision, just like he did with Agabus and tying up the belt. Or maybe it was circumstantial, like maybe it was obvious. Like everywhere Paul has gone, Jews have been trying to stomp him out. And now he's going to the epicenter of Judaism, right? He's going to the beehive. Like you're being chased by bees and then you're going to go stick your head in the beehive. Like they're saying, like, this doesn't make sense. And so they were all getting the sinking feeling that this wasn't going to end well because they're seeing the difficult road that the Holy Spirit is revealing. And then you ask yourself, if you're there this morning, like, what do you do with that? Like, you, you can see that's going to be hard. And there's these Christians saying, don't go. And your own friends are saying, don't go. Like, whose voice do you listen to in those situations? Because this morning, I would like to argue that this scenario actually plays out in our life in a thousand different ways, in big and small, where God speaks to us, and we have a choice to listen to ourselves, to others, or God. Where God's calling us to do something that doesn't make sense. And so what we do, as Westerners, we begin to rationalize it away, right? We begin to say, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to ask these guys, but you know that you're bound by the Spirit to do this thing. Like God told you to do this thing, and you know in your heart of hearts that this is where God is leading you. Because the reality is, Paul could have stayed in Caesarea, right? Paul could have totally stayed in Caesarea and did good things for the Lord. He could have raised up more pastors. He could have started more churches. He could have been a pastor himself there. But the thing is, God was not calling Paul to do good things in Caesarea. God was calling Paul to do hard things in Jerusalem. And there's a vast difference between the two. Like God was not just calling Paul to do good things. God was calling Paul to do God things, which is a vast difference when we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us that we have this capacity to keep ourselves so busy, all the while missing what God is doing in and around us. When God speaks to us, what are we going to do? And I want to illustrate this story to you guys with a verse, my favorite verse in the Old Testament. 
and a story, a really quick story from King David's life to kind of put flesh on this idea that we're talking about. So Proverbs 3.5, you guys have probably heard it, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust God with all of your heart and do not lean in your own understanding. And what's that proverb doing? It's just saying the same thing twice. Like, trust God, not yourself. Trust God, not yourself. I know you're smart. I know you're really educated. But the scripture keeps uh, keep on saying, like, trust God and not yourself. And a good example comes from King David's life, where, where King David wanted to do good things for the Lord. He wanted to build a temple for God, if you guys remember the story. And so he set out to actually build this temple for God because they had been traveling all this time. And he said, you know, I want to build a temple for the Lord because I believe this is where he's leading me. And then we pick up the story actually in First Chronicles chapter 17. It'll come up there. And it says, after David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And then notice what Nathan says. It says, Nathan replied to David, whatever you have in mind, do it for God is with you. So not only does, does Nathan initially approve of this, but he actually encourages David to go build this temple. But if you know the story, what happens? Later, God gives Nathan a vision that this was not the plan. Like this was for Solomon to do. And he made it very, very clear that even though this was a good thing and a good desire, this wasn't God's thing for David. That's again a huge difference, just illustrating the same truth. That even though God wanted to do this thing through David, it wasn't his plan for David. And I think it's a fresh reminder for us this morning, and that's this, that, that, that God has, has detailed plans of how he wants to unfold your life if we would only listen to what he has said to us. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, this is probably why I get so uncomfortable, the Holy Spirit's chief end is really to glorify Christ, right? That the, the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Christ no matter what. And oftentimes it'll come through our lives, and it's going to come at the cost of comfort and satisfaction and difficult places. But sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit requires. And to me, it's so amazing that, that God, who created the mountains and the oceans and wells and tigers and like everything and seasons and the universe and everything does exactly what it's supposed to do, when it's supposed to do it, and all of creation, we're the only ones that can rise up and say no to God. That's, that's an incredible thing, because once the voice of God speaks to us, he gives us the capacity to say yes or no. And so when Paul stood before these guys in Caesarea and Tyre, he had incredible confidence that he was following the will of God, because the Spirit already spoke to him back in chapter 20. And we're going to take a quick look at that, because we can see that this wasn't something that he just felt on a whim. This was something that the Spirit was working in his heart for some time now. And we get a vignette of that in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23, speaking to a group of elders. And Paul said, And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So notice that it says that Paul was bound in the Spirit. Like, I don't even know what that means, but 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 we can't miss it that, that when God spoke to Paul, what did Paul do? I'm going to use trips next time. I don't care. <laughs> but he followed, right? 
Whenever he spoke, he followed. And Paul had no doubt in his mind where God was leading him and calling him to do, even though it was going to be difficult and hard and not comfortable. And don't miss it. Just like us, when Paul was there with the guys in Caesarea and his own crew, he had a choice that he could make, right? Like it all boiled down to a choice that he was going to make. Either I'm going to press on to Jerusalem or I'm going to cruise here with you guys. So he's out, he has all these, all these voices speaking into his lives, vibing for his direction. And so we come back to this image of, of Agabus, this really bizarre, weird belt-tying image, bringing this, this message to Paul. And it's, I think it's so interesting that, that Paul, or God, brings uh, this guy Agabus all the way from Judea, all to confirm a message that, that Paul already knew in his heart. And I found that so fascinating this week because the reality is that God has a track record of going radical lengths to communicate to his people. Like, we can look in the Old Testament and see how God used the prophets in insane ways. So I want to give you guys a few um, Sunday morning Bible school stories that you didn't hear in Bible school or Sunday school. Uh, the first one comes from Isaiah. When we're talking about how God has used people in radical ways just to get a message across to his people. And the first one comes from Isaiah. This one's really awkward. Who was commanded by God to walk around barefoot and naked for three years. Like you could, I mean, maybe he had his underwear on. I don't know. But it's, an, I mean, could you imagine seeing that in Jerusalem streets? Like this guy's just walking around naked. What's he trying to say? It's been like two and a half years. I don't know. And it's all for the purpose of, of how Egypt was going to be conquered and carried off into captivity by the Assyrians. And this is significant because, because God's people were putting all their hope and trust and comfort into Egypt. Like Egypt will protect us from Assyria. And so God's like, now I'm going to send this guy down there to give you guys an object lesson of what's really going on here. And notice Isaiah 26. It says, in that day, the people who lived on the coast will say, see what has happened to those we relied on, speaking of Egypt, those who we fled to for deliverance and help from the kings of Assyria. And then it says this rhetorical question, how then can we escape? And the obvious conclusion, that turning to God was their only chance, right? And so what does God do? He uses this powerful image to give them a lesson that I'm going to strip away all of your false security so that you can only rely and trust me. And we do that all the time in our own capacities with our money, with our influences. And in reality, it's all false security. And God goes this radical lengths to show them that through this naked prophet for three years. Like, that is weird. I also think of Ezekiel. Like, we could go so many places with Ezekiel. Like, that guy. So one time he was commanded by God to go to, a, to the streets, Right? And he was to build like this fort, uh, this, like this little clay fort that represented Jerusalem that had been sieged in. So he's out there with like his little sandcastle sort of thing in the street. You know, they know who the guy is. And they're like, what, what are you, what's going on? What are you doing here? And then God commands, them, commands him to lay on his, on, his le- on his left side, excuse me, for 390 days. And then on his right side for 40 days, right there next to his sandcastle that he had built. Like, that's a weird story. And it was all for the purpose of, of God showing them that they didn't repent. This was the judgment that he was going to bring on Judah and Israel. And those are significant for years. And but you can just imagine this guy laying there for 14 months in the street next to the sandcastle on his right side and his left side. Like, that's a bizarre message. 
but God went on a radical length to get them to turn away from their sin. And the final one I'll bring up, the school you didn't hear in Sunday school, or the story, is uh, Hosea, the prophet Hosea, who uh, was commanded by God to actually marry a prostitute named Gomer. Like, that's a beautiful name, Gomer. And, like, I would have been out right there, but not, not only that, you know, like, Gomer Jr., like, pff, that's not happening. So he, he's, he's commanded to go marry this, this lady named Gomer, all for the purpose, a prostitute, mind you, all for the purpose of showing God's people their unfaithfulness to him, their unfaithfulness to the covenant. And in this marriage, eventually, Gomer goes to live with another man. And mind you, they had three children at this point, two of which didn't belong to Hosea. So there was a track record of her leaving already. But you know what God does in this picture? Even though Hosea's heart is absolutely torn to shreds, God tells Hosea, get up, go get her back, and tell her that you passionately love her. That's, that's a beautiful story, right? Hosea 3.1 says, this is him speaking to Hosea, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord has loved the Israelite. So God goes this radical length to show them what they were doing to his heart. But then despite all that, he says, still, I want you to go back and marry her. That is a heavy picture of how much God loved his people. That even though they were chasing after lesser things, God was always wooing them back through this picture of this unfaithful marriage. And I say all of that to bring it back to the point that God has a track record of going radical lengths to speaking to his people. Speaking of me and you who are here this morning. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, um, I definitely don't have a naked prophet like leading me away from false securities. And I don't have like some guy building sandcastles in my backyard leading me away from uh, things that are less than you. Like, I hope those things aren't actually happening at your house. But um, or I don't have an unfaithful marriage on display to show God's relentless love for me. Or maybe you're thinking if God would just speak to me through a burning bush or at least an angel or like at least a donkey, I would be more willing to follow and obey God or at least it would be more clear. But I would like to argue this morning that we have something far greater, far concrete, and absolutely unmistakable. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, look at this one. It says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We saw some of that. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And didn't God speak through Jesus in a wild way? Like you think the story of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Hosea is, is crazy, but I remind you this morning to reconsider the story of the gospel, that we get so familiar with it. When we see those stories in the Old Testament, we're like, what is that picture that God was doing? And then all the while, God is speaking to us through the cross. That's a way wilder story. And not only that, but it gets even wilder. Because before Jesus went to the cross, he gave the disciples and us a promise that God's going to speak to us way after he had left. And it says in John 14, 16 and 18, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But notice this, but you know him because he abides with you and will be 
in you. So the beauty is that God, the beauty of the gospel is God has gone incredibly radical lengths to have a voice in our lives if we would only listen to that voice. Because the only way that the Spirit could indwell the believer is if we've been made righteous by God. And Jesus was willing to die a shameful death and then raise up his own life later to justify those who would turn to him and then give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, woe to us if we don't actually respond to the Spirit speaking into our lives. Andrew Murray said it this way. He said, the most precious gift of the Father's love in Christ is the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and lead us. And so do we realize this morning that that no matter what situations that you're going through, like no matter where God's leading you, that, that God wants to speak into whatever situation you're finding yourself in this morning. Like God has a plan for your life. Like do we, do we believe that? Does anyone believe that at all? One person. All right, that's good. I know you guys believe it because when I'm sitting there, I don't raise my hand either. I'm just like, yeah, I believe it, but not with my hand. And so the reality is God wants to speak into our lives in those times of devotion and prayer but the question is, are we going to respond to what God's saying to us? And because Jesus, like Paul, didn't have to go to Jerusalem, did he? Actually, Peter tried to, tried to get to stop him. And where they had that awkward conversation where Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, right? But God, or Jesus was obedient to God even in the hard things, and he's left us an example and a voice to follow. And so as I, as I wrap this up, I know it's getting hot in here. We're going to face the same dilemma, church. We're going to face the same dilemma. Like, either we're going to follow ourselves, we're going to follow other people's advice, or we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because I'm sure that when Paul began to sense this message, it wasn't an easy message for him to take in. Like, Paul wasn't like just some superhero that was like, yes, I'm a masochist, I'll go anywhere. Actually, it seems to say there in verse 13 that he said, what are you guys doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. So by no means did Paul find this, this easy. But what Paul did is he let the grace of the cross grip his heart. And then he says in the rest of that verse, For I'm not only ready to be bound, but even die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, The will of the Lord be done. And it was so beautiful because Zach basically stood up here and said the same thing. He said, I have no business of going there unless I'm willing to die. Because otherwise he was going to be paralyzed by fear. And that was a beautiful and fresh reminder for all of us this morning that, man, God's calling us to wild things if we would only listen to his voice. Because the danger is, like it says in Hebrews chapter 3, it says if you hear his heart, to, if you hear his heart today, you should respond so that it doesn't become more hard. So what is that one thing, church, that God is asking you to do? Like, is this something that he told you a long time ago that you keep putting off that's scary, that's going to be uncomfortable, that might even ruin your own reputation? Like, like what, is, what is that one thing that God wants to speak into your life? And maybe you're here this morning waiting for that next thing to God tell you, but he's like, hey, I told you a thing like three years ago to do that thing. And so this morning, I would encourage you to put together a plan and tackle it. Like, whatever God is calling you to. Because the voice of God is the most important voice that we can ever listen to. Because if you step back and think about it, it's a voice that has like the whole human landscape history in view, right? And God wants to weave us into that plan, but we get so smart and so confident in our own plans when God's saying, man, I'm calling you to do this thing. 
that thing that you're doing is a good thing, but I'm calling you to do a God thing. And maybe that's going to start with going back to revisit what God's already told us. So my prayer for us this morning is that we would be a church filled with the Spirit. And that's always going to be started at listening to the Spirit, right? We can't pray in the morning, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit without obeying and following the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of this whole thing is, is that, that God passionately loves you. And he's for you. All things work for good. Would you believe that this morning, whatever God's calling you to? And with that, I'll pray, and we'll go into a time of worship. And I would just encourage you to wrestle some, through some of those things. And maybe you're not even, you don't even know what I'm talking about this morning. And you're like, man, God hasn't called me to do anything. And I would encourage you, man, to dig into the Scripture. Get to know the Lord. Have a robust prayer life so that God can begin to speak beautiful things into your ear. And don't be afraid of the hard things because those are the things that will define us. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are good and perfect and you're our Father and you are passionately in love with us because the Scripture says that you loved us way before we loved you. So God, forgive us for the times that we didn't obey what the Spirit was speaking. Pray for forgiveness for, for all of us this morning, Lord, that, that when we went our own way instead of your way, that you would forgive that and take us back to that moment for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, as this worship begins to play, we, we pray, God, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and just put us in a posture of humility so that we can hear from the throne room of God, Lord. Help us to not focus on what's going around us or if this message is for somebody else, what are you saying to us? What is the next step that you're giving us, Lord? So we ask that you would just speak so clearly as your word has revealed, you have gone radical lengths to show us that you want to speak into our lives, Lord. So we ask that you would please help us to hear in a fresh way this morning and that you would be glorified in our lives throughout the week, not just today, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. So we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.